Welcome, everybody. U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Berry, along with my very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. And we have all three priests behind the new book, Let Freedom Ring, Freedom from the Devil. Going to be talking about this tonight and a lot of great things that go along with it. So before we get started, of course, we want to turn everything over to prayer first. So, Father Heilman, I give this to you, my friend. Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. All right. So, everyone, again, thank you so much for watching the Grace Force Podcast. Thanks for being with us. I want to thank, again, everybody out there who has supported us especially as of late with everything happening the way it's been going on in our society and this canceling that's going on left and right. We have had such tremendous encouragement, emails, letters, all kinds of support from you all. We're so thankful for that. And for those of you out there who are our patrons in particular, you have been tremendous in helping to support us financially. We hope you're enjoying all the rewards and all the benefits that come along with the patron program. In particular, we've got that behind the scenes, extra special, super amazing footage that we give the patrons out there. So thank you all for that. We hope you're enjoying it. Also, we want to encourage you all to go out to our U.S. Grace Force gear page. Check out these great items that we have. Our brand new t-shirt designs, Got Gracie and Saganite Gracie. Great designs, obviously built around Gracie, the mascot, the official mascot of the U.S. Grace Force, Father Hobbins' new dog, his new Bernese <laughs> Uh, mountain dog. So thank you so much for uh, your support and your encouragement behind this father getting this dog. But check out these t-shirt designs. Go order some for yourself. Get the word out. That helps support our ministry as well. And all the other great designs. One of my favorites is still this one here. I kneel for God alone. Powerful and important for us all to remember. We have to make that decision. What side are we on? As we talk tonight about this the fact that we are in this thick of a fight like never before regarding this battle against evil and all those that are cooperating with evil, we have to be on that side that says, I kneel for God alone. So we encourage you again, check these items out to help support our ministry. We appreciate everything you do. And let's spread that word out far and wide because it is critical. It is important. Now, these two guests that we have tonight, Father Hellman, I'm going to let you introduce them. We've had them on before. Uh, people know who they are, but the fact that we got all three of you gentlemen on at the same time is wonderful. It's fantastic. Really looking forward to this program tonight. But Father Heilman, I pass this on to you to introduce our guests. Yeah, you know, this is exciting. And we're all excited this week because um, this all started way back in uh, last July 2nd when Father Bill Packman got back from a retreat and he texts me out of the clear blue and says, I got an idea. And I was just on retreat, and, and I says, well, if you were on retreat, it must be right from God. But anyways, so I started to listen to this idea. It's awesome. And it, he, he built, basically in his own mind, this whole idea of taking 40 days to really look at, you know, how is the devil impacting in us in our lives? And what can we do about that? Yeah, and mainly, to how do we cultivate virtues? Uh, what are the uh, beautiful devotions and and uh, sacraments and everything that the church offers for us to counter these. And, and some are specific to some of these uh, 40 ways in which the devil uh, is uh, assaulting us. So individually, our families, our, our, our church, our culture. Um, and so uh, he said, what do you think? I says, I'm all in. I said, you know what? Altman is talking about all this stuff, Father James Altman. I says, he'd be amazing to have him. And he says, yeah. 
can you get them? I says, yep. And so I told Father Altman what it was all about. He's like, oh, yeah, man. Right, right Father? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, I'm just so, privileged. I'm privileged yeah. to be in your company. <laughs> the two of you and Doug. Yeah. I'm just privileged. Whatever. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so uh, that was July 2nd. And we decided by the grace of God and believe in God that uh, we'd announce it on July 4th, two days later. And then we were going to start it on July 7th. So in five days from the time, from the moment of conception to, to, the, to the birth of this, uh, this uh, 40 days. And I, at the time, I had 55,000 people that were part of the United States Grace Force. And that just means that they've given their name and email and they're in for all of our spiritual warfare campaigns. And they're learning about how to, how to uh, uh, hone their skills in, in the art of spiritual warfare. Anyways, in that short period of time, the 4th to the 7th, we grew 20,000 more. So we had over 75,000 and maybe much more on, on social media that weren't uh, on the email list participating in this. And everybody just loved it, the, the comments that came in. And uh, what it is, is, uh, and I'll let Father Bill uh, uh, talk about the, the specifics of all of this. But the one thing that we did is the three of us priests rotated. And so every, uh, we, we had every three days, we would do a reflection. And uh, I often got them at 11 o'clock at night. To <laughs> <laughs> or later from me, sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was just in there between 12 and 1 in the morning putting these posts together. But no, I was, I was uh, honestly, it, it was a great pleasure. But uh, that was kind of my role. I had to put the posts together to get out on social media and email and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I have that down pretty good. So I, I really enjoyed it. Anyways, this book is amazing. Here it is. This is the book right here. Okay. And uh, we'll talk more about that. But uh, really want to, Father Bill, can you tell us, you know, what kind of went through your mind and why you felt this was necessary right now in our times and, uh, and just kind of fill in the blanks, uh, you know, embellish on what, what, what this book is all about or what these 40 days are all about. Okay. Um... You and I know that there are many struggles that we face in our lives. You know that there are battles that have to be fought. And there are many challenges, unprecedented challenges that we are confronted with. You know you need to be battle ready for both you and your family. You know you need to pray more, sacrifice more, but you don't know how to start. You don't know if you have the support that you need. You know you need to lead your family better and be better prepared. You want a better marriage. You want it rooted in Christ. You want healing. You need healing, but you feel overwhelmed. You want to raise battle ready children who are firm in the faith and ready to handle whatever the world, the flesh and the devil attack them with. But the attacks that come from the world, the flesh, and the devil, at times, can be vicious. The mission of Battle Ready has always been to help you be better prepared for the fight, body, mind, and soul. And to not just survive in the thick of that fight, but to thrive. Join the Battle Ready Coalition. This is an online membership where you will receive on a monthly basis video training, written materials, support, encouragement, teamwork, to help you be better prepared for this fight. Click the link to find out more. Get on that wait list now. Join the Battle Ready Coalition, a force to be reckoned with. It started out with my retreat. I thought I would um, focus, it was a private retreat, I would focus on spiritual warfare. And so the book I used was Dom Scapoli's um, book on spiritual warfare. That was the one that St. Francis de Sales kept in his pocket with him all the time. And I was kind of looking at society, looking at what's happened within the church, 
and looking at this book and other books that I've read um, about spiritual warfare and started to think that, you know, we don't, how should I say, spiritual warfare isn't in the mainstream of Catholic culture. It just isn't. Um, for whatever reason, it's not there. And it needs to be there because if you look at what's happened within the church in the last 50, 60, 70 years, if you look at what has happened within our society in that same time span, um, things have gotten more divisive, more angry, more, divide, uh, uh, more chaotic. And in the last year or two, more so. Um, looking with trends, especially in sexual morality, self-identity, which now doesn't even have to be grounded in any sense of empirical evidence. And looking at what is the cause of this? And we can say politics, we can say society, but in my mind's eye, those have always been the fruit of the tree, but not the tree itself. What's the tree? The tree is the devil and the demonic, and that's what needs to be fought first and foremost. You know, you don't want people to eat the fruit from these trees because of poison them, but you don't kill a tree by killing its fruit. And so the idea came to me, okay, let's attack the tree. Let's attack what's at the heart. And at the same time um, that um, retreat, I started using the Auxilium Christiorum prayers. And that just kind of poured fuel onto the fire. And then I saw a post from you saying you were working on something. And I was like, hmm, um, let me shoot this idea at him and see what he, what he thinks. Um, I had no idea it was going to move so quickly. But this is... I didn't either. <laughs> yeah. Must be of God. It was quick. I'll have yeah. to say. <laughs> uh, but it was just that taking the fight to the devil himself and doing battle there. And looking at the ways, you know, the 40 things that were selected were the 40 ways, they're not an exclusive list by any stretch of the imagination, but the 40 ways in our society, it seems that the devil just tempts and tempts and tempts. Yep. Um, it seems like right now we have an entire forest of the trees of good and evil. And right. everybody's just plucking the food off of it as if it's going out of style. Right. And so... It's time to fight back and fight back at the source of what's causing the chaos, what's causing the division. Um, you know. yeah, Father Bill, if I can jump in on this real quick. You, you mentioned that you know this is not common conversation. Really, it's not common anymore, it appears, for people to understand spiritual combat, spiritual warfare, and so forth. It's intimidating for a lot of people, I know. There have been parishes that won't allow me in because I've talked about something that sounds too militaristic. And yet the church is always referred to on earth as the church militant. Why do you and, and the other gentlemen, if, you, if any of you three priests can expound on that, but Father Bill first, why, why do you think we are in this place now where we don't even hear this conversation very much at all? And yet there are so many people responding to what you three have written here that shows people are starving for this, ultimately because it's written on our hearts that we are to engage in this spiritual battle. But what, what are your comments on why we're where we are? I almost hate to use this word because, quote a movie, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Um, but I think it's one of the fruits of modernism. Mm. Um, and, and 
in modernism, basically when it comes to the scriptures, you treat it as a type of mythology, um, that it's all symbols, it's not real per se. And what has happened in that time span, not just in the Catholic church, but in most churches as well, is we have turned Jesus into a nice guy and the devil into a, a, a mythical typology. Right. And that he's not real. And I can't remember who said it. And I wish I could. I keep attributing to C.S. Lewis, and that's wrong. That the greatest hoax the devil ever pulled was convincing people he didn't exist. Oh yeah. Will not fight an enemy you do not think is that you do not think. And I think if you look at a lot of kind of the milk toast preaching and teaching that's happened over the last, really even stretching before Vatican II, um, that we've just kind of taken away the sense of transcendence. And if you take away the sense of transcendence, you take away you know, also that sense of, you know, demonic evil of the devil, because um, it, it takes away everything out of the spiritual realm and turns it into a bunch of psychology and self-help. Right, right. Yeah, Father Altman, yeah. Um, there seems like there's such an urgency right now uh, yeah. for us to do that call to spiritual arms and to boldly speak the truth against you know the lying that's out there it's yeah. you know i've been i've been saying i've been putting it this way lately is that there's this movement to normalize evil mm. and and that just gets my goat you know that 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 evil can just be seen as i, I, I real quick i want to tell you that something that's really impacted me in the last couple of days i've somebody sent me a trailer of a movie called uh sing a little louder and, it, and real quick, what it is, is it's uh, Catholics in Germany back during the Holocaust, and there's train tracks. Yes. The, the, you've seen this? Yeah. No, I know all about it, though. It's sing louder when the trains are going. I don't want to steal thunder. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So the train keeps going by at the same time while they're in mass, and there it shows the, the priest up there, and he's preaching, turn the other cheek, and we need to pray for our persecutors. But the train stops in this particular clip. And, and what do they hear? The screams and the pleas yeah, yeah. from the Jews inside the train cars. Yeah. And everybody's kind of looking around. They're disturbed. And what does the priest do? He preaches louder to try to drown them out. Then that's not working. So what does he do? He, he tells the, um, the uh, organist to, to hit the organ and, and start singing mm -hmm. so that they can drown out the, the screams and the yeah. pleas from these cars behind them. And yeah. I thought, Father... Isn't that what we're doing? You know, we're, we're, we're trying to avoid the evil rather than face it head on and the lies. And like I said, we're, we're normalizing evil right now. So can you kind of see what, why you think that yeah. this book or, or this challenge against Satan right now is so urgent? Yeah. Well, Father Petman was saying, even beginning before Vatican II, there was this myth mythological mythologizing Jesus is just a nice guy. And, you know, I, I don't often say this, but uh, when Bishop Barron, he had this great um, show on EWTN, a great interview. It was so great. And I just happened upon it by Providence because I was walking through the room when my mother was watching it, that I went and ordered it. And in it, he said this. This is, I think, Father Packwell, Packwell, Mitch Packwell, yeah, Mitch Packwell. was uh, interviewing me. He said, 
What happened after Vatican II was, well, what happened before Vatican II is, oh, the church was more fire and brimstone. But what happened after Vatican II, we've got, we, we focused solely on God's mercy and nothing about God's justice. Right. And so it was all about love and, and niceness, like, like Father Peckman was saying, and, and no more reference to the transcendent truth that half of Jesus's ministry was on heaven, but half of it was on hell. And in the end, it's goats and it's sheep. But we've, now we've gotten to this point where uh, the truth can be, uh, evil can be normalized um, because there is no such thing as evil anymore because everybody goes to heaven. We just got to try to be nice guys, right? right? right. So do you remember... There, there was a series, a Hollywood movie series called Twilight. And, and in it, vampires, uh, where they tried to attempt to make these vampires into decent people that sometimes made mistakes. So the, the point of it was there's a little good, there's a little bad in all, every one of us, but we're all okay. So they, they've taken something, the greatest evil, the, the, the person who kills you to drink your blood so that he has immortal life, the exact opposite of Jesus, who sacrificed himself so we could drink his precious blood, so we had immortality. They've taken the most evil, myth, mythological evil creature in our in our myths, and and they then they normalized it, and and they inculcated generations because they put in very pretty boys and very pretty girls, very androgynous, right. to, to attract uh, people to this this mindset that there is no evil, that really. And, and, and don't don't judge because then you're being judgmental. That is the one evil thing you can't do. Um, and so now what we're facing is a world where all sin has been normalized. Right. And uh, and and the, the urgency is that the sin has become so great that we've really seen it uh, since since about the first of March last year when they used fear, fear of death. Right. We shouldn't fear dying. We're going to a better place. They yeah. use fear of death to, to shut down the globe, destroy countries, destroy economies, mm -hmm. destroy the the capacity of a father to provide for his family. And and we're in a mess. And it's getting worse every day. Every day they continue this masking st stuff. Every day they, yeah, yeah, I won't go there. But I, the point is that <laughs> it's evil. Yeah. It's genuine evil. And and we're facing it more and more each day. And, and we better do something. Right. Keep the faith. At one time or another in our lives, we are all confronted with a crisis. But in the face of any crisis, hope is found with a plan of action. The Battle Ready Preparedness course is that plan of action. In this course, we will teach you the five most critical things that you need to have ready. Shelter, water, food, defense, and medical. There's a lot of uncertainty in our world today. And there's nothing more important than that plan of action that brings hope and safety, not just for ourselves, but for our loved ones. Sign up for the Battle Ready Emergency Preparedness Course now. Don't do it just for yourself. Do it for those that have been entrusted to your care. Yeah, I mean, I know this is a subject we've brought up many times with, with I mean, the different guests we've had, Father Heilman and I think Father Altman, Father Peckman, we've probably talked with both of you about it in one way, shape or form is that, you know, we're at a stage right now where, you know, not confronting evil um, only is, is only, only going to lead to more. It, you know, it's like when they, when they told the Jews in Poland, okay, we're going to put you in these little ghettos and we need you to sew a star on your, on your clothing. And that, yeah. these, these conditioning steps made it easier for them 
to to wear them down to the point where they were able to load them on train cars yeah and 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 take them off to un, unbelievable you know um conditions and of course death and yeah. i know father allman you talked about being in auschwitz i think it was and you said yeah. i forget what date it was was it the september 31st room you talk about well that, no that that was actually in schindler's museum Oh, Schindler's Museum. His actual, and, and I call it the August 31st room where August people 31st, were okay. oblivious. And they, they, everything was normal. And then on September 1st, the invasion happens and Poland was never the same for the next, what, 50 years before they finally threw off the yoke of communism, which we all know is, is evil. Uh, but it was related to Schindler was making his list precisely because he was trying to save Jews from being deported and, and burned up in the Auschwitz camp, which is only about 30 miles up the road. Now, I know one of the most difficult things, I think, and I'd like to, if we could get a comment from all three of you, you know, on this at least, is the most difficult thing I find, and I think we all do, is how, w whether it's abortion. I think back to a gentleman, let me, I'll preface it by saying this, a gentleman who years ago, former Knight of Columbus, um, he's passed away since then, I believe, and he had said to me, he was probably 85 or so when he said it, he said, you know, the problem, Doug, is in 1973, when Roe v. Wade happened, it was done kind of quietly. No big fanfare was made. And we looked at it with, with really disbelief that what they were talking about was actually going to, to manifest um, in this way. Now, he said, if I can tell you, we go back, I can tell you the big problem we've had is that we didn't, we didn't stand our ground at that moment when it happened. And because we didn't stand our ground then, it escalated to where we are now. You know, and I know this is something that goes with anything out there when it comes to health issues. If a person is struggling with a health issue and they, they see the, the initial, like if, you're, if, if a doctor says you're diagnosed with stage one cancer and you don't deal with it there, eventually you're going to reach stage four. You've got to engage in it on some level. And, and I, you know, maybe you call a comment on that and then, Tie that in with, I know, Father Peckman, what you said at the beginning about the fact that this is getting at the root of the battle, which is really getting to what St. Paul says, that our battle is not with flesh and blood. I mean, that's not the first point of contact. We know there has to be evil manifesting in someone's heart. We have to cooperate with that evil, and then it comes out in a sinful act and so forth. But doesn't it also say that there has to be a cooperation with grace on the reverse side of this, the flip side of this, in order to stand up against those that are cooperating with evil? And the first point of contact is obviously deepening the prayer, the spirituality and everything, but it does have to be followed by some sort of heroic action. I'm going all over the place with this question, but if we don't stand up now to whether it's uh, now it's, it's transgenderism. I mean, the executive order is signed and all of a sudden, you know, boys, men are competing with girls and they can use the locker rooms and all of this. We've really just not just legalized the, the transgender with regards to sports. We've attacked We've allowed this attack from an executive order to actually go after the very essence of the dignity of man and woman and, and the, the, different, the different beautiful gifts that God has created man and woman to be different in, different roles in. If we don't stand up now, I get to the root of my question here, where do, we, where do we think this goes? And if we don't stand up spiritually first and foremost to have that interior grit to be able to stand up in the other ways, where does this ultimately end up? Father Bill, if you could start trying to unpack an answer with this really long-winded question I just asked. Okay, I'm going to move backwards okay. and move forward. That makes any sense. Um, with Roe v. Wade, for example, and your friend who said we didn't make a stand there, 
We didn't make a stand there because we didn't make a stand with Connecticut right. versus Griswold, which normalized right, uh, birth right. control. Because we didn't make a stand with the Lambeth Conference when they said birth control could be used by Christians within the right. context of marriage. And I'm sure if you keep going back in history, it's kind of a death by a thousand cuts kind of thing. And one builds off the other until there's really nothing left to destroy. And I think we're coming toward the end of it um, and watching one domino fall after another after another. Um, and as those dominoes fall, chaos reigns. You know, I was uh, talking with some friends in parish and, you know, who would have thought three years ago or even five years ago that we would be nervous about using pronouns? You know, that it has gotten to the point, as I said before, that self-identity has to have no grounding in empirical evidence. You just call yourself whatever you want. And, you know, it is the victory of subjective truth that there is no objective truth, there is no measure. And that is basically, you go back to Eden. What is it that Adam and Eve were tempted by? That idea that you can choose for yourself what is good and evil. You can become your own God. And you go back to the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment certainly threw out the whole sense of the divine, or at least you know wanted to tame it to where it was irrelevant. And now here we are, you know, all these centuries later. And, you know, going back again within the last 60, 70 years, because we have mythology or turned religion into mythology. We simply don't fight anymore. And then we wonder why so much of the field has been taken. Father Altman, one of the things that I have been really focusing on, and I know all of us have, is the whole idea of that state of grace. And, you know, I, I actually had, I was startled. <clears throat> I was talking with someone who was very devout. And uh, he's probably in his, uh, I would call it maybe late 50s or something like that. And we had a really nice conversation. He said, you know, um, I started listening to you about 10 years ago, and you started talking about the state of grace thing. Yeah. He said, up until then, I never heard of that before. How to make him like 49 years old, okay? Mm -hmm. And 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 living mostly in you know church practice, as they say, I mean that's startling, isn't it? And how much of this really this this I you almost feel like Satan is moving unabated right now. Right. Uh, and how much of this do you think goes to this whole sense that we we just lost uh, what it means to be in a state of grace? Right. Well, so. You know, if, there's, if there is such a thing as a state of grace, that means there is such a thing as a state of not grace. Right, right. And, and how you get from a state of grace to a state of not grace is through sin. And how you get back to a state of grace is through repentance. Well, so uh, Father Patman was talking about like uh, uh, Lambeth Conference, which I think was in 1930. And then by 58, the Anglicans just said, yeah, go at it. No, no worries. Um, that. In 68, we did take a stand through Humanae Vitae, that contraception was immoral, was sinful, thou shalt not do it, because it's against God's plan for us. And yet, you had how many, the Canadian bishops issued the Winnipeg Statement, 90 out of 96 said, don't you, oh, we're not even going to follow it. So they denied the truth of, of Humanae Vitae. And so many American theologians and theologians around the, the world 
denied the truth of humane vitae. So, uh, you know, we're supposed to take verbatim every word that's in uh, Amoris Laetitiae, but God forbid you, you deal with that short humane vitae. So what's happened then is that so many Catholics in the U.S. and around the world have all said, well, I guess we can contracept. And when you do, you move from a state of grace into a state of not grace. Right. And, and as a consequence, what, what did I, I guess the estimate, I, Melinda Gates even said this, and she's probably right, unfortunately. She said there's something like 90% of Americans contracept. So what does that mean? That 90% of Americans have denied the objective truth. Uh, and here's the thing. Uh, if you deny objective truth, as Father Pettman was talking about, like with the gender ideologies that are out there, then you deny Jesus because Jesus said, I am the objective truth, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if you deny that, you deny Jesus, which means you deny a savior, which means you deny the sin. Life's more comfortable. You can do as you please. Uh, so I, I think that what's happened and why we're faced with the mess that we're faced with is because Catholics themselves were not a light of Christ's truth to the world and in fact, live their life flaunting their life against the truth that the church has handed down unchanged, unchangeable. And, 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 and now we're surprised that 70% that don't even go to mass. 70% don't believe in uh, the real presence. They don't believe in Jesus. It's just a mythological thing to make a feel good these days. So that's what we're facing with. And, and there are going to be many. And the problem is those in a state of grace are few. But can you get a pastor to tell the people that are there before him, listen, Jesus said, the truth said, few and many is the way it's going to be. So, but you won't, you won't get them. You won't get them preaching against contraception. I don't know how many people have come up to me and said, nobody's preached about contraception. Nobody's preached about, preached about abortion, which is, which is just so black and white. So, so uh, does it, did that answer your question? I think. Yeah, yeah, really well. Can I do like I want Oh, go ahead. Said. Yeah, yeah. I was going to have you dovetail on that. Okay. Because <laughs> we talk about the state of grace, and to understand the state of grace, you have to understand another concept that is never preached about, and that is mortal sin. Right. Yes. You know, we'll say sin in general, and it's like all things are venial sin. So, I mean, that accounts for the emptiness of most confessionals and the do as you will kind of attitude toward morality is. We don't believe that we can do anything to sever our relationship with God for eternity. Right. That we are just in a perpetual set of, uh, state of grace because we happen to exist. I would imagine all three of us talk about mortal sin within our um, homilies and state of grace. And I would imagine the two of you have heard the same thing I've heard. Father, I haven't heard those words since I was a child. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to chime in there and say, as, as the only layperson on this panel right now, and thank you, gentlemen, for letting me still be part of this, uh, I would say that in my home, I raise my kids to know what mortal sin is, venial sin, the three conditions for mortal sin. I mean, the, you know, the, that you lose sanctifying grace, you gain it back through the sacrament of confession and repentance, and, and you're right. And as a husband and father, I always felt, look, this is... I knew, not felt, I knew this was my responsibility above everybody else on the planet. Even above, you know, if my kids go to mass and any of you three are preaching, I know you're going to preach solid stuff, but I'm the one that's responsible as the father of my children in my home, the head of my house, to make sure that everybody under my roof, under my responsibility, they've been entrusted in my care, 
understands these very basic and essential teachings. You know, uh, co quick comments on a couple of things that you've said, Father Bill, when you were talking earlier about going back to Lambeth Conference and so forth. I think that is so spot on to the point now where we're afraid to use certain gender pronouns. And yet people today will, I mean, we've had executive orders now signed that you can't talk about where a certain virus comes from because it can it can get you in trouble and on federal property if you're working in the government somewhere. This is This is absolutely off the wall but when it comes to things like pronouns and so forth if our, our our people aren't taught today the history and the root of a lot of this this becomes so normalized and i think father bill you hit it really well on the head again when you said that we're at a point now where we almost don't have anything left to destroy when it comes to these things it's so turned upside down that trying to explain even the basics of some of this stuff, how unbelievably crazy it sounds to think that we're following the science regarding a sickness, even though the science isn't consistent, but when it comes to the chromosomes of male or female, that's up to personal interpretation, which is just unbelievable that anybody would embrace and accept any of this. But you know, Father Heilman, what you said about people coming up and saying that, I've heard that too for 30 years. If I talked about contraception, I had people come up and say, my priest never preaches on this. You're the first Catholic person I've heard, Catholic speaker or anyone speak on the evils of contraception. This is something I've even heard and I'm not even a priest. So it is it's just such a massive problem. You know, and I like what you said earlier, Father Altman, about in the end, it boils down to sheep and goats. In fact, that's going to come out on my Facebook page very soon. In the end, it boils down to sheep and goats. It is that simple. It is it's a narrow road and a wide road. You know, I just had to throw that in there because I, I just we're hitting marks here. I think that so many people are just going to be in so, so much total agreement on at least the people that watch our show. So can I, can I say that? So I just this past weekend, uh, went up to the Troops of St. George. They had a camp out. And uh, Friday night and Saturday morning, I was there. I celebrated the Latin Mass for them. Uh, they knew what they were doing. It was amazing. Nice. And, but I spent over three hours Friday night, over three hours Saturday morning after Holy Mass, uh, answering questions that these fathers and sons had about, about our faith. And, and they, they asked questions very much like what we're talking about right now. And then, and then big question is, well, what do we do? And as we go forward, when we're faced with what we're faced with, including the crazy about the gender stuff. And uh, I, 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 all we can do. What did you tell them, Father? What did you tell them? Because you know people watching right now are going to want to know from right. all three of you, what do we yeah. do? Well, I don't have six hours to answer every question there, but <laughs> <laughs> I think in the end, it came down to building your spiritual arcs because if you don't if you don't know your faith you will be vulnerable to as as i call it the rat poison that's out there right. such as oh you, he baptized you he can go to heaven I, the, if we don't know that if we don't know our faith we won't know the difference between a state of grace and a state of not grace and uh, so build your spiritual arcs you know i just sent somebody today he got it today uh, a cool uh guy down in uh indiana uh, he and his wife, and um, one of the St. Joseph Catechisms, that book one, right, with the pictures in it. I like reading it. I like re learning from it always. It's just a small book that I, I remember when I was in first, second, third grade. So, so if I can learn something from the catechism that's with lots of pictures, then maybe everybody else should get a copy of that as well, the St. Joseph Catechism. Um, so be because it's, it's all there. 
And, and once you realize, yeah, God is God, God is love, God is merciful, but God is just. When you realize that, when you realize he's a creator, we're the created, because it just states it in such clarity, with such clarity, then, then we will know when we act out of that state of grace that we're in and commit mortal sin and, and then hopefully repent. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I would tell him. Hey, hey, Father Bill, um, so uh, keeping going on this whole idea of state of grace and being strong and God's, what is it, uh, draw your strength from the Lord uh, and his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so you can stand against the tactics of the devil, right? right. And uh, what I love is what God set in your heart. And I do believe this whole thing is inspired by God. But you really call us to discipline and you draw upon the rich traditions of, of the Catholic faith, things like litanies and, and that. But, but uh, the whole thing is set up to really discipline ourselves spiritually and even physically. Can you go a little bit into what you had in your mind and, and, and how you designed uh, the program? I don't know how specific you want to get, but, but uh, just for those who are listening, just um, that it's not just reading these reflections. It's, it's also these uh, wonderful disciplines and mortifications that you call us to in this, in this uh, 40 days. If we're to do battle with the devil, then, you know, using that image, when you go into battle, you make sure you're ready. Right. And, you know, if you look at how the military handles before a soldier goes into the battle, they don't just give them a gun and say, you know, off you go, tiger, don't get shot. Yeah. <laughs> There's training that happens. There is discipline. I mean, from boot camp on, where their body, their mind are disciplined. And if we are to um, go against the devil, it needs to be the body, the mind, and the soul. So, because we're into the whole. And the devil will tempt at any one of those three. So, being able to bolster all three up to where we can do battle is important. So, um, in, you know, using the litanies and using uh, fasting and abstinence, you know, these are the tools, the, um, the weapons that we use. And, you know, especially when it comes to prayer, you know, I'm a big believer with the rosary and the divine mercy chaplet. You, this is the way, one of the ways that we attack back and that we say no. Um, and that we try to become beacons in the middle of an incredible darkness right now. Um, sorry, I'm having some problems here. Uh, <laughs> And so looking at putting this program together, having all of these disciplines keeps it constantly on our mind. Right. Now, I use the example of fasting. Now, I, I can have days where, like today, I just haven't eaten much and it doesn't bother me. Put me on a fast and I will think of nothing but food all day. <laughs> so it, it's on the forefront of my mind. And it's like, why am I fasting? I am fasting because... I'm wishing to learn to do battle with evil and to grow in that relationship with God. I'm doing this for a reason. And so spend that time in prayer, um, spend that time in reflection, um, and then realizing that the devil's not going to like it. If, um, I, one of the things I like to push when it comes to um, Let Freedom Ring is I like to tell people, use the prayers from the Auxilium Christianorum book. Um, because of the context of those in that we're doing battle, the devil's not going to like it. 
And in those, especially those opening prayers, we're asking the Blessed Mother to blind um, the devil so he doesn't know, you know, where the attack is coming from. It just, there's something great about that. that and it gives us the idea also that we're on the winning side. And I think we keep forgetting that. It, we get so worked up about how we see things right now. We are on the winning side. And yes, we must go out there and do battle. And there are things that we must do to win at battle. Being in a state of grace is important. It's necessary. It's not a nice added on if we choose to do it or not. That state of grace is necessary. So the use of the sacramental life in the church, especially reconciliation and the Eucharist, if we're not attached to these things, we are, we're out on a battlefield about to get mowed over. So. Yeah. Can I, I'd like to chime in if I could right there, Father Bill. You, I, I, the Auxiliary Christian Norm Prayers, my wife and I have been praying them, you know, daily for several years now. And Father Heilman and I, we, you know, Father, you, we've been mentioning these and encouraging these forever. And my Battle Ready Coalition that I have a monthly online training, we talk body, mind, and soul. And this is something we've been encouraging a lot for all of our members in the Battle Ready Coalition. And you mentioned that about the blinding. I just want to read this for people who are not familiar with these. This is the opening prayer. I won't do the whole thing, but it starts off with Most Gracious Virgin Mary. And then it moves on after you know we talk about her crushing the head of the serpent. And this is what Father Bill means when he talks about the blinding. It says in here, Blind them so that they know not our good works. Blind them so that they know not on whom to take vengeance. Blind them so that they may receive the just sentence for their works. And then cover us with the precious blood of thy son so that we may enjoy the protection which flows from his passion and death. Amen. And that is so powerful. Blind them so they don't know what's going on. Oh, Father Hellman's filled with grace again. There he goes. <laughs> oh, there she is. Yeah. Oh, nice. Was, I was going to say, why didn't you have her? She <laughs> was whining across the house, and I'm, I had to check on her and give me the kisses now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> She's getting big. She's like three times the size when I got her, what, yeah. six or seven weeks ago. Uh, She's uh, She's awesome. Yeah, good place here to insert. Check out our new T-shirt. Do you yeah, got it? Yeah. <laughs> Say goodnight, Gracie. Look at these <laughs> great night, designs. Check it. Look at this beautiful dog. Is she? mascot. She's so beautiful. Yeah, amazing. Mwah. But you know, Father Bill, as you said that, I just I wanted to read that to people so people could actually know what you meant. We are calling on the Blessed Mother every day to blind the demons in this battle that we're in. It, it's like a jamming the radar of the enemy so we can fly in with the bombing run. You know, right. I, not that I'm inciting violence, anybody. Don't get carried away with my statement now. No, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we use these analogies. Speaking, it's so hard nowadays to to talk. You know. Oh, I know. But yeah. But go ahead, Father Altman. Oh, I didn't say anything. No. Did you ask me a question? <laughs> but you want to? We know you did. Yeah, I go on last to say. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm just listening. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I am uh, uh, a little distracted with my grace here. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. Did you have a question, Doug? Well, I was just going to ask again. This book, "Let Freedom Ring from the Devil." I mean, this is an amazing book. We we definitely one of the reasons we're doing this episode is we're trying to encourage as many people as possible to order this book. I mean, right now you're seeing on the screen where you can order the book. We want you to get this book. We want you to get it, especially before Lent. We want people to have the chance, even if it's during Lent, after Lent, get this book. This is a powerful book that these three priests have put together. The main reason we're pushing this is to help people do what all three of you, you know, great priests have been talking about. 
this we've got to get back to the basics. I mean, any sickness anybody ever has physically, if you go to a, a, a really genuinely good doctor who knows that nutrition actually affects the body in a positive way, you know, like vitamin D3 and zinc helps yeah. build the immune system, right? Okay, so a good, wholesome doctor is going to look at you and say, look, you're sick or you've got problems with this and that. Now, maybe some things need to be treated in extreme ways, but at the very root of it, you need to eat the foods and get the rest and exercise and all those essential things that help your body be healthy and strong the way God created it to be. And I think if I'm getting this right, really what this book gets to that all three of you have written. And as I went through, you know, so much of these as they were being written at the time you, 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 you priests were putting them out, you're getting at the heart and the root of individual vices, individual spiritual attacks, predominant faults and weaknesses that we all struggle with. And you're saying, look, the very basic root of how to deal with this, it's like nutrition for the body, but this is nutrition for the soul. Is that kind of sum it up simply that it's just teaching people and training people to get to the basics that, that God has given us all these weapons and these tools to deal with all these attacks from the enemy, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Is that kind of, in essence, what this is? This book. Is you know, I, I, if I can chime in first, see, I, honestly, uh, I was half-joking when I said to Father Beckman that if you got it on a retreat, it must be from God. But literally, though, it, people have said, and, and I agree with them, that this isn't just one among many ways that we can confront the devil get strong uh, and be able to uh, to push off the <clears throat> the the I, I keep calling the unabated intrusion of, of evil in our lives in our homes in our communities in the world um, but it is the ways it's the rich tradition of our faith that we've called upon and how have we, how have we done that in the past and what can we do but I like especially again you know evil is getting away with so much right now because like we said it's normalizing evil. And using things like, uh, you know, women's reproductive rights and love is love and, and all these ways in which people are being convinced that, that it, it, it's okay to, you know, to kill your baby or anything like that. And it really confronts those and, and it, it, it calls the devil out and says, you know, I'm, we're not buying your lies. Um, and, you know, it looks like I got the puppy next to me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a vicious dog. Yeah. <laughs> She's a cutie. I, just, I have a wound on my leg that's just healing because he scratched the heck out of me. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, he was jumping. <laughs> he he was caught me on my cheek the last me. show. That's healing up right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She can do anything she wants. She's a That's right. That's what I said. <laughs> but I was, I was just saying, honestly, this book is great. And Father uh, Peckman, again, I, I do feel you were inspired. But, uh, you know, not only does it draw upon the best ways uh, is spiritually – uh, mortifications, uh, all that, but but again, it's it's really saying to, you know to, to this normalization of evil. The way that the he's called the deceiver, isn't he? He's he's so deceptive, and he gets our loved ones, our our family, our friends, everybody around us to just buy these lies, and and us three priests in our round robin way that we did these reflections are saying no, no. No, that's a lie. Okay, here's what we here's what we see you're doing, and everybody, you need to know this too. And and uh, and then and then here's what you can do. So, Father Peckman, can, you want to expound on that maybe, or yeah. what are you thinking? A couple of things. I, I mean, evil never calls itself evil, right? It likes to um, how should I say use euphemisms that sound pleasant right. and wholesome. 
you know, um, and that's part of the tactic of the devil. The devil, you know, I think a lot of times we like to think that he shows up with the horns and, you know, the really scary persona, but we're told that he appears as an angel of light to seduce the right. people and to kind of, how should I say, trick us into believing we're doing the right, right. thing. Um, but he also has to instigate a sense of doubt in God's providence for us. And, you know, going back again to Eden, you know, when he is tempting Adam and Eve, and Eve, or Adam and Eve he's telling them, God really doesn't want what's good for you. You know, because this tree is good for you. You know, look how good the fruit is, you know. And it's being able to pull back the mask and say, no, this is a lie. Um, and this angel of light is anything but. And learning basically, you know, they talk about in the, Old, in the New Testament, discernment of spirits. Right. We just presume anything that makes me feel good must be good. And that's just simply not the case. Uh, a lot of times the things that are good for us don't feel good. Um, sometimes, you know, I use the example of um, working out. You know, I don't know about you, after a good um, weight workout, I don't feel good. <laughs> I feel sore and I feel a little crabby, but I don't feel good. <laughs> but my body is stronger for having done it. Right. You know, I, you know, because I, I use these examples all the time with the kids down in the school. You know, I when I was a kid, I didn't like to study because it didn't feel good. You know, watching TV or doing something else felt good. But what needed to be done was to study, and I end up a better person for it. And so getting out of this idea that um, on the spiritual level, it has to make me feel good. Because that's where a lot of people are. It, how does this make me feel? Well, if you're not engaging in the spiritual life, then that's all you want is to feel good. But if you're engaging in the spiritual life, then you know there are going to be times it's going to be tough. Fasting doesn't feel good. Abstinence doesn't feel good. Um, maybe some people like it, you know, but like I said, I fast, I fix it in food. Um, but in that, you learn detachment from the things of this world. And I, I think that's one of the things that in our writings and in what we recommend it is a sense of detachment from the things of this world, that there's something greater, you know, that death isn't the end. And, you know, that our relationship with this world is to be in the world, but not of the world. And that takes discipline, that takes strength, and that has to come from God. So can I, can I just add a few two cents? You go knock yourself out. <laughs> So uh, it was funny, you were talking about, Father Peckman, about how Satan comes at us. And there's this really funny meme out there. I don't know if you've seen it or I've mentioned it before, but it goes, Satan doesn't come at you with those pointy, pointy things, horns and, right. and a, you know, the pitchfork or the long pointy tail. But I think Fulton Sheen you. talks about that. Pardon? I think Fulton Sheen talks about that. There you go. He, it might have, the quote might have yeah, come yeah. from him, I'm just, but I just remember the meme. And he said, he comes at you as everything you ever wanted. Oh, yeah. Which is I was thinking know, of that meme, actually, and it is Walton uh, Sheen. Yeah. Okay. There you go. It is. It's a profound statement, and it's and it's true. So when you know you were talking about um, the uh, how the topics, uh, I think Father 
Almond was talking about how the topics in this book kind of teach us and lead us. And then the prayers that are prayed, the litanies, are tools to get uh, holier. Uh, and we should make the effort, as you're describing, like even weightlifting, we should make the effort to do so. Uh, you're, you're, it was just brilliant inspiration, your choice of the 40 topics, because, you know, we were, earlier we were talking about people don't even know what mortal sin is. Well, each one of those 40 topics really addresses vices that can be mortal sins. And, and so that when, when we talk about that, was, I think one of the, the great things I got out of the things you guys wrote was that you're, you're, you're looking at a particular topic and you say, oh, how does this apply to my own life? Or, and then if so, then what must I do? Because didn't, it, didn't each one end with like, well, this is what you do to get over this. And uh, it's a brilliant way to get from a state of not grace to a state of grace. But, but if people don't know that these 40 ways are ways that you can, I mean, if you ask somebody, what are the top sins, top 10 sins you could commit? Do you think people could, could answer that question? I don't think they could come up with 10, but here we've given them 40. We've given them a, a prolonged examination of conscience. Yes, yes. Actually, yes. Yes, you have. Hey, real quick, can I talk about the cover of the book? Um, so the image on there is actually the image of St. Michael on top of Castel San Angelo in Rome, you know, right near the Vatican there. And the story behind that is Pope St. Gregory the Great uh, processed our, an image of the Blessed Mother around Rome. Why? Because there was a plague. Okay, and they processed. I think they even did it seven times, kind of like the like Jonah, right? And uh, anyways, he saw this image of Saint Michael sheathing his sword, and he took that to mean that the plague was over. Okay, and we, you know, this is this plague has been devastating in a lot of ways. Uh, not only a lot of deaths, but also, you know, we're looking at uh, um, you know people's uh, businesses are closing and. Uh, suicide rate is skyrocketing and uh, you know people are uh, I, I want to see people smile again I, wanna, I, I look at people yes. first of all do I know you I, I, I mean it takes me a while to recognize them under that mask I mean people I've known for years and then are you smiling at me I can kind of tell because your eyes are wrinkling a lot you know what I mean I mean we want this over with so we we're distanced from each other we've been distanced from the Holy Eucharist and so this is, we, we want an end, and, and we believe the power of St. Michael can do that. So that's why we picked this image uh, for the front of the cover. And then you see the little blast of light there, too. The, uh, if you recall, on December 21st, that was the Christmas star, they called it. And that was uh, the conversions of, of uh, was it Saturn and Jupiter, I think it was? And um, anyways, it made a bright star. The last time that happened was 800 years ago. Okay, but it but this happened on December twenty first, which was the darkest day of the year. Okay, That's right. it was the darkest day of the year, and in comes this bright light, and so the whole idea of you know there is darkness or the uh, light comes after the darkness, right? Um, and so it's a hopeful sign, I believe that 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 star that came to us that 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 um, after after the darkness comes the light, and so I believe that it, with the power of God's grace, right? We believe that. I just let you know too that I decided to give up coffee on December twenty first. So that's my little mortification too. Till to this day, like you haven't had it till this day. No, I haven't had a cup of coffee since oh. December twenty first. Yeah. So, anyway, 
But, uh, but you know, because I, I want to do something, anything, you know, I think we all have that feeling, right? And that's, again, why, why do, doing this 40 days together with, with tens of thousands of people, you know, we all have to say, what can I do? I don't know what to do. You know, I want to do something, anything. And I just think this is a profound answer to that question. Right, you guys? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, you know, Father Hoffman, i got to say, I'm giving up copy, that, that's pretty impressive. I've, I've been going on bread and water for, for you know, three months now, but coffee's pretty good. <laughs> coffee's pretty good. Yeah, throw that out there. Okay, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. Um, and I want to say this, too, a comment. When you talk about we want an end to this, we, we, I know we all agree with this. It's not just an end to whatever degree this sickness or virus is. We want an end to the way it's being manipulated and twisted. Right by certain people, especially in power, because yeah. I'm in Texas. We have not been nearly locked down. Like, yeah, it's completely different in different places for, oh, for it, it and, is. It, and, and political ideologies seem to be um, dictating how it's oh, absolutely. in different places. Yeah. I talked to a gentleman I'm working on, on a project with, uh, I, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, father, we did. Um, I'm, I'm actually trying to get a book finished uh, about men called first line of defense and so forth. And we're, we're finishing it up. Ignatius press is putting this out and we've been working on it for quite a while. We're getting it wrapped up here, hopefully in the next couple months, but I'm on the phone with the, the editor who's helping me with it. And he's in California. And he says to me, I have not been to confession or mass since last March, wow. March of 2020. He's not wow. been to confession or mass and he's in Northern California. So this, we want an end to this. We want an end to the way it's being manipulated and, and the way the twisting of people in power are, are, are doing this. And, you know, and we didn't even mention things like the great reset and Klaus right. Schwab and, and how all of this is tying together in these times. I think this is so timely. I want to encourage people again, and I've got nothing to do with the book except just I, I'm friends with these three priests and I admire what they do, but I want to encourage all of you out there listening, watching right now, order this book. Again, you see right now on the screen where you can go get it so that you can get this book, get engaged in this, train yourself up, be better prepared for the battles and, and, and all the conflict that we're in the thick of right now. This is most likely going to get worse in different ways. Evil is rampant in many respects, but I would say this, and Father, you and I have talked about this a lot. The Philistines did not expect David. When Goliath came out for 40 days in the morning and the evening and beat his chest and said, bring me someone, they had no idea this shepherd boy was going to step up. This shepherd boy had been training with the sling. He had dealt with lions and bears because he makes that clear to Saul when he tells him, I've killed lions and bears with my own hands. He knew how to engage in whatever conflict God was going to present him with. And he trusted God entirely. But on a natural level, he took the steps that he needed to in order to engage. He cooperated with God through in and throughout the entire thing. I say with the, what we're facing in the world today, look, this great reset if effort and all these globalists and all these people out there that are trying to manipulate and dictate, they do not expect that God will bring forth another David or a Joan. So let's David up. Let's Joan up. Let's be ready. But let's be serious about how we train and I think this is what you three are saying is that we need to take the steps on our own. Take this day-by-day -day process, as you've written in this book, a severe, extreme, deep review of the conscience, how to step up, feed the soul the right uh, nutrients that are needed in order to deal with this. Um, it, it, I just, if anybody wants to comment, I'd like to ask this question, if, if, if you don't mind. One of the things that I know 
Father Heilman, you've mentioned, I think Father Altman, you may have as well. And I think when we had you last on, Father Peckman, it was, it was before we really started to see some of the fallout regarding what's go been going on in the last year with lockdowns and all. The discouragement. If you can address the, the concern of discouragement that people have right now, discouragement, dismay, despair. I know one of you mentioned the suicide rate. I think, Father Heilman, you said suicide rate has, has, has risen. What do you three say about the discouragement and the despair that many people are facing and how the devil will use this in such ways to really just weaken us and just beat us up? So can I, can I say something sure. about that question? Um, yeah. I, I spoke to my parish family here a few weeks ago on the, on the topic of hope. How do you keep your spirits up? How do you have hope? And I said, you know, if you set yourself up, failure because you think your hope is in i talked about oasis and desert i said oasis is a really small desert's really big and and we get god gives us the grace of these oases from time to time to restore us little r and r but then we got to go out into the desert if our hope is that the oasis is going to get bigger and the desert's going to get smaller uh until we're nothing but an oasis well then we're going to get disappointed every single time so our hope isn't in this world. I mean, it's all over the New Testament anyway, but our hope is in the next. So in this world, we can expect such trials as we're facing now. And if we said, thank you, Lord, for this trial, instead of saying, oh, I wish it was over. Not that, not that it shouldn't be, not that we shouldn't be doing that. But um, I don't know that we thanked him enough for how this trial has so uh, opened the minds of the faithful to the truth about, you know, about state of grace and the state of not grace. Uh, it's a, I, I think our hope can't be in that things are going to get better in this world because I think that's a false hope. And it's not, not our hope as, as we've been taught in Catholicism from day one. Our hope is in the world to come. So if, if they, once they know that, then they won't be like disappointed tomorrow when, you know, it only gets worse and some other uh, tyrannical governor issues another tyrannical order and and ruins more of more people's lives as a consequence. Does that does that make sense? That our hope is in the next world, and so we we just ask God for the grace to endure the trials of this world, which is which is in essence then, as Jesus told us, picking up our crosses every day and carry them all day long. Uh, crosses of dealing with the evil in the world and and suffering as a consequence, but. Our Lord suffered at first, so it's really tough to look at a crucifix and complain about yeah. to him about it. Yeah, the Navy and SEALs I, I actually the, the Navy SEALs actually have a motto that says the only easy day was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's the attitude that you know if you're going to be a true warrior, you just you gear up and you're ready for whatever yeah. comes. Yeah. You know, you hope you hope and pray that things get better, but yeah. you just got to be ready for whatever's going to come. Yeah. Father Peckman, you you look like you were going to chime in there. Well, you know, you, we talk about the depression and the confusion that's going on, and that's the fruit of the lack of clarity, the lack of truth, um, and just the deceit that has been poured on for right. decade in, decade out, and that's going to, you know, bring about a sense of hopelessness. Yeah. And I think, you know, to go back to what Father Altman said, is that if your hope is in the world, you are going to end up depressed um, because the world as we know it, you know, we're, we're told in the scriptures over it is passing away. And our hope is in something more. And I think 
And what we're seeking to do is to put the hope where it belongs and to put our goals where they belong. And, you know, I've used this several times. One of the um, things I have on my um, night table next to me is a statue, a sculpture somebody gave me of Jesus walking out of the water, walking on the water during the sermon and pulling Peter up. Yes. And just a reminder that there are no pristine conditions right. for us to engage. And it's always going to be in the storm because that's one of the things I always mention when preaching on it. Is Jesus doesn't still the storm. He doesn't still the waves or the wind. Right. Peter is expected to walk on it during that. Right. And I think we need to get over waiting for those pristine conditions and realize the time to engage, the time to train is now. Yeah, and that's and that's greater. That's like Christ that. pulling us up. Right. You know, it, it, but once we get up, okay, we're we then are compelled to want to pull others up who are right. drowning. Mm -hmm. And 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 God gives us that strength, but also he gives us that beautiful gift of charity, that gift of love, where, you know, we can't, go, getting back to that uh, that scene of, uh, of uh, sing a little louder, you know, we, we can't sit there and do nothing when the Jews are screaming in the boxcars behind us. We, you know, when you have that gift of charity, you have to do something, anything. Right. And, and until we get in that, that, that beautiful state of grace where the power of the Holy Spirit comes on us and we get those uh, wonderful theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity, um, you know, we're, we're, we're drowning ourselves. So, so yeah, let Christ pick us up. And that's what we're going to do for 40 days, too. I, I think I, I, I said in the beginning of the uh, podcast that we're going to start this on Ash Wednesday. Did I say that? I think I did. Um, yeah. But we wanted everybody to get the book and start this on Ash Wednesday uh, this year, so um, and and we're, it goes to a Palm Sunday. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, it's going to be powerful. I and I I, I would I want to put another plea out there for everybody to um, get back to the basics. I know Father uh, Peckman, you mentioned this really that when you went back to the Lambeth Conference, 1930, and so forth, and and the fact that we didn't stand up against this, we didn't stand up against that. Now we don't really know how to stand against a lot and we don't even know what we're standing against and if we should and and so many things are just upside down and confusing now Th those husbands and fathers out there mothers husbands fathers moms dads we parents teach your kids right teach your kids talk to them but if you if we don't know it then we can't give it so we we should be getting on board with this this book is a great way to do it also pick up the catechism and start reading it I would start with the basics, like even the Ten Commandments, because a lot of people don't even know what the Ten Commandments are. They think they're the Ten Suggestions and so forth. So let's pick up the basics and let's get into the basics. Um, because this, this is just a time right now where so much confusion, so much doubt is out there. It's kind of like trying to teach a basic self-defense class, which I do a lot of, and just trying to teach people the basics of how to stand, how to get the hands in the right position, the right how to diffuse situations. We're always trying to diffuse. We want to, we want to bring peace, be peacemakers, but you also want to be prepared in case things don't go that way. But trying to get the basics taught is essential. So I just want to say to husbands and fathers, mothers, wives, dads, parents, Teach your kids. Get them involved in this. You'll make the priest job a lot easier. All right. <laughs> These three priests would, I'm sure, say, parents, teach your kids. All right. It's going to make it a lot easier on, on these priests who are trying to help uh, save our souls. 
Say, I'm looking at the clock and we're getting near the close, but I, I thought, could we just get, you know, some closing remarks from each of you? Maybe Father Altman, you want to start? We'll close with the uh, the great uh, mastermind of this whole thing, Father Peckman. But you go. you got any closing thoughts there, Father Altman? Yeah. Um, when, when you're living in, in love of Jesus, I've, I've said it before, spending time with the Eucharist, spending time at holy sacrifice of the mass, receiving him, body, blood, soul, divinity, it, without which we do not have life within us. Uh, if it, the, the first thing people need to do is make sure they're in a state of grace so that they can be disposed to receive the grace our Lord longs to give us, but then, but then go. And not just on Sundays, but uh, visit your parish church if you're allowed to. So many, so many shepherds have locked them out. Uh, but visit your visit your the Holy Eucharist, and ultimately, your your it's it's not uh, joy. It's not well, it's not happiness that we get from God. We get joy in the midst of suffering. We get peace in the midst of suffering. Right. So. Uh, and we get that when we go close to him because then he runs to us but we have to we do have to make that effort and uh, yeah so I, I guess my I, as I, I think I've done many times just uh, point people to the Holy Eucharist and say go go there nice Father Peckman if you ask my parishioners what are the two things that Father Peckman wants you to do they would all rattle off right away he wants you to go to confession he wants you to go to mass nice the sacramental life of the church is absolutely necessary and it can't be divorced from what we're doing um, because this is the grace of God before the act of man. And so the encouragement of those who pick up this book, who start it, go to confession, go to mass, make it regular, spend some time before the blessed sacrament. Um, and remember that this is by the grace of God going to happen more than anything that we do but that doesn't absolve us from doing anything. hey father peckman can you uh close us with a little prayer and blessing okay name the father the son of the holy spirit amen. amen hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee. blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy, holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. I'm looking forward to Ash Wednesday in our 40 days. Everybody yeah, pick up the book. This is awesome. All right. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Doug. You bet. Thank Thanks. you all. Thanks for being with us.